Women's Power to Heal Mother Earth. This is Maya Tiwari. Forgiveness. It is such a humongous topic. Is it an emotion? Is it intelligence? Is it etiquette? Is it behavior? Well, according to the ancient Vedic knowledge, in Sanskrit, it is none of these things. First, we have Shama, that's S-H-A-M-A, which means equal, equanimity, calmness, peace of mind. This is what the destination that we must reach within any grievous situation, hurt, anger, being abused, being targeted, being tormented, whatever the case may be, and whoever the perpetrators may be, until we reach a certain sense of equanimity, a sense of inner harmony, it would be very difficult, if not impossible, to forgive the grievances that we are looking to get past, to let go of. Letting go, necessary before forgiveness happens. Sometimes we forgive with an urgent need to let go, but it backfires, it doesn't work. And the reason that it is a boomerang is as follows. In Sanskrit, another word, Kshama, that's K-S-H-A-M-A, has a multiple layered meaning. In fact, many Sanskrit words do because they trace the very development of the human mind, the human physiognomy, psychology, the network of how it all works together. So Sanskrit is more than a language. It is the cosmic communion network of the universe which the Vedic seers were in their superhuman powers able to discern and hand down to us. So let us look at Kshama. We could say that it means forbearance or forgiveness, but as I said before, this is a multi-layered word that transcends all of the processes we need to endure as a human person in order to reach the plinth of forgiveness. What does Shama really mean? Forbearance, forgiveness, the capacity to forgive others and forget the harms and wrongs done from the past, but more importantly, here comes the layers. It relates to releasing time while we are attentive to the unsettling emotional process that we are having to endure and must endure. I see it as the necessity of traveling to the extremity of patience, taking as long as necessary in the slow, enduring, space and time, allowing time to set mind at ease while the heart 
settles as well. Grief always precedes forgiveness. It is necessary to allow grief to take its course. When we race to the ideological behavior of forgiving the abuse and the torment of the vile and ugly and anthropogenic actions, we are in fact putting our own natural healing process on hold. Having done that, we feel, we feel that we should. We're being generous with our emotions, society often cajoles us about holding on too long and too deeply to our griefs and but this backfires because we get angrier from recognizing that the monster rears its head again and again and again forgiveness a deep and multi-layered act of being Forgiveness is a very core part of the nature of the human person. It is almost a tenet written within the Dharma of how we proceed intelligently, emotionally, psychically, and spiritually. And there is a process because I have endured it for so long. At one time, it was so very easy for me to forgive and forgive and forgive. Little acts of hurt and ill will, big acts of being put upon. But in the last 10 years, as I have related before, while being targeted by very relentless, vicious acts against the humanity of my own self, I've come to understand that the act of forgiving the nature is so contrived, it is so complex, it is so complicated, but actually there it's because we do not understand the many layers and processes that we must go through before forgiveness occurs. In fact, when forgiveness occurs, it is so quiet, it is so simple, that we don't even need to address it in terms of I forgive you or you're forgiven. The thought may be there, but we have already accomplished an incredible journey, a travel to the extremity of patience, as I call it unearthing the grief and going through it. When we are put upon by acts of violence, be they abuse from, uh, from people we love and know, be they betrayal, be they tormenting or being tortured by the dehumanized covert acts, that follow, unfortunately, so many people, including myself. When these vile and ugly anthropogenic actions occur, we are usually at a loss because it is very difficult for the human perception, the human composition, 
the natural human mind to grasp that another human, a mirror image of ourselves in humanity, is actually capable of wielding such violence, such acts, such horrors. We jump to the understanding that we are generous, we will forgive. And that's understandable too. But when we are put in a position of being victimized, the journey for us is long and arduous because we have to begin to make sense of our own conditioning, the behavioral patterns of our ancestors and forebears that have shaped us, the blind spots that we have that has put us in situations where we are being victimized, not that we are to be blamed for these situations. I do not blame myself for having been a victim, nor do I see myself as a victim. But the fact is I'm being targeted, and that is a reality. But I must look, and I have spent years diving in, looking, forgiving, retreating, retaliating, getting back, getting angrier, because it was premature to even consider forgiveness had not reached that point as yet. First, we must honor the grief and grievances that are caused by being hurt, being betrayed, being tormented, being tortured. The grief that brings out not just a reaction from these horrific actions, but grief that comes up from beyond the beyond ancestral grief, grief we never knew existed, grief that became the shadow margins of our lives, life after life. So much erupts, and I have found that the greater the abuse, the greater the grief that is shadowed beneath it. And so we must journey through the grief. We must call upon those we love and trust who we can really trust to share and open our emotions, open our chaotic minds, whatever it takes, just to let it out, just to have the warmth of a listening ear, just to hear ourselves honor the process of grieving accepting that we are grieving, and this can take a long time. But there is no race here. There is no we must get it done within the year, the week, the month. It takes as long as it takes. And what usually retards the journey even further than the journey itself is when we prematurely think that we can get past it, let go and forgive. Because when we jump to those conclusions, it isn't long after that we are backslapped again with the rage, the anger, the memory of it all, or the existing 
situation continuing. And so it's almost being in a, in a treadmill, but we're not on a treadmill. We're only in a treadmill for short periods of time when we decide that we are going to call a halt to the process and put forgiveness at the, as the capstone and move on. It doesn't work that way. And our society does not understand how it works, and therefore we make the mistake over and over and over of capstoning our experiences with this great big word forgiveness, when in fact it sets us back. So having gone through the arduous process of grief and taking our time with it and know that we are going to be visiting Oh, the big abyss. We're going to dive right deeply into that depth of darkness. And we're going to live there for a while. But we have in our intention, and it must be a conscious intention, that I sum up the courage today to let this ride and let me see what it has to show me. I'm not so interested in what lessons it has to teach me as yet. I'm simply interested in having the courage to watch, to observe it, to witness it. To have those incredible precious moments when I can breathe away from it. But not by denying it and turning my back on it. Not by trying to avoid it. But there is always the glimpse of light in the dark. And it's so wonderful to be able to come up and breathe fresh air before we dive back into it. And it's not even a question of your willingly diving back into the abyss. You're being forced back by gravity right there at the bottom of the abyss until the elevation of our own spirit brings us up. As we let go, as we allow grief to disrobe us as we become naked with our grief. And we don't have to know how, why, where, and which century it began in, and which ancestors are to be blamed for it, but because no one really is to be blamed for it. It is what it is. And as we go through the grief, if we did grief counseling and we trust those we can go as counselors to, then do so. But deep friendship have a lot more effect in helping us to get through this. This is why it is so important to have a community around you that you trust, that trust you, that have history with you. In an event, we must go through the grief. That's one major layer that stands in the way of forgiveness. We find ourselves forgiving ourselves when the grief thaws out. And that is another interesting layer and process. The interesting layer of forgiving ourselves. What are we forgiving ourselves for? That is the layer beyond grief that is exposed when grief thaws out. 
And what we are forgiving ourselves for is our expectations. Those expectations that were built on the memory and, and plinth and rock of ancestry. Those expectations that have us thinking a certain way, expecting a certain outcome. And when it doesn't happen, we continue to strive, we forgive, we get angry, we go back, we go back, and we go backwards again and again because of the expectation, because we hope that we can savor and save and rescue that precious expectation. Whatever the object of those expectations are as well, whether it's the home or the husband or the man or the partner or, or the job or whatever, those expectations. And then we understand that grief revealed these expectations and that in holding on to the expectation, we prolong the process we prolong the process of darkness, of detritus, of the inability to breathe, of the stuckness that comes with the stale, dark, fetid air. So now we must also go through revisiting or visiting for the first time what these expectations are, how they were formed. In my case, from deep emotional, psychic, and mental colonization that my culture and my people endured and that somehow genetically attached itself to my cells as well making the blue eyes look even bluer, the blonde hair even blonder, the fairness of skin even fairer. And while there's nothing wrong with any of these concepts of beauty, we must revisit why we expect that to be the outcome in our lives. And so that takes time. And with this time we must, oh, even if we don't start out with patience, we begin to develop patience and cultivate it. Because when that layer is done, we can step out easily out of the abyss. We are naked, we are raw, we are vulnerable. Everything has changed in the meantime. We're sad. Sadness comes. Another layer where the tears never end, it seems. But we must go through that as well. It is so very vital that we go through the sadness. The sadness of being a new, renewed soul, a person who sees brighter, bigger, better from the learned experiences as we become closer to who we truly are, 
without the appendages of ancestry, without behavioral appendages, without all of those attachments that kept us hostage in certain situations that repeated themselves over and over and over again. So like that, we keep peeling off in the process. And then forgiveness naturally happens. It naturally happens because we no longer need the same thing that we became hurt by. We no longer expect to have the same things. In fact, we absolutely do not wish to have those things, those particular things. There is no need to say goodbye because that's already been done. We've been stripped. We've been stripped to the raw. That is what forgiveness is about. That is what forgiveness is about. Peace be your journey. Until the next podcast. And thank you for listening.